Well, we're in a series called We Are One. Say, We Are One. I like that. That sounds really good. We're talking about these weeks. What does it mean when we say we are one? We end every worship service, as Mary had already mentioned. We say, always remember in Christ, we are one, right? And what do we mean by that? And last week, we talked about we are worshipers. And we talked about God's love for us and that when we gather here on a Sunday morning, we don't just gather to kind of will up our worship, to try to come up with the energy to worship, but that we are actually actually responding to God's love. We're responding to God's I love you and the way that he communicates that to us. And then we come back together and say, God, here's our response. You initiated, we're responding. Today I want to talk about something beyond being worshipers that makes us one. We are not only worshipers, we are more than worshipers. And it leads God's love leads into other areas of our lives. And it's not only about loving God back, but it's about loving one another. I want you to look at the scripture that I have here on, on the screen and, and uh, follow along because Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. Did you know that? So when somebody says there's ten commandments, there's actually more than that in the Bible. Jesus said, here's a brand new one. You've heard about the ten? Let me give you another one. Here's one. So now I'm giving you a new commandment, Jesus said. Love each other. It's a pretty good commandment, isn't it? Love each other. It's not just like a suggestion. It is actually a command. Love each other. How should you love each other? Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. So continuing from last week, right? It's not only that God loved us and so we respond back to him in love. But as he loved us, now we are to love one another. So we follow the example of Christ in the way that we love each other. And then get this, for your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So I have a couple of questions for us. If that's the case, if your love for one another will prove to the world that we are his disciples, here's the question that we need to ask and answer today. If people could only observe us as a church, based on our love for each other, would they know that we are Jesus' disciples? Two people. <laughs> You're like, I didn't know we're supposed to answer. No, just think about that. Think about that. If, the, if people could only observe us as a church, like they didn't hear what we were talking about, and maybe not even just observe us when we gather here, but throughout the week as people, would they be able to say, these people are Jesus' disciples. And the question more personally is this way. Does the way you love others in this church prove to people that you are Jesus' disciples? The way that you love people from the church, does that prove to others that you are Jesus' disciples? The proof is in the loving. The proof is in the loving. If there's no love, if there's no evidence, there's no proof. So the question becomes, what does this kind of love look like? So we have to really do some self-examining. If this is the scripture, if this is the command that Jesus gave us, love one another, and it's going to prove to the world. That's how they're going to see. You want evidence in our lives that you're a follower of Christ? It's going to be shown by the way that you love one another. Not just the way that you love God. Not just the way that you worship Him. Not just the way that you read your Bible or maybe attend church but how you love the people around us. So does this kind of love look like this? Going to church once in a while on a Sunday. Coming in really late. Sorry, nothing for against any of you who came late. That's happened to us before too. But you know, but if it's a habitual thing, you know, you get there so that you don't have to interact with anybody. Uh, maybe you slip out early so you don't have to hang out and talk to anybody, but you went to church every week. And then you go throughout the week in church, and uh, I mean, between Sundays, but you don't ever see another person from the church. You don't ever talk to anyone else from the church. 
but you come back and do it again maybe the next week or the next time it's convenient. And if the world were to observe that, where they go, man, your love for the others in the church, that just proves how much you are Jesus' disciple. What would that say about us? Or what about this? What kind of love would it look like this way? If you Could you imagine wanting to come early on a Sunday morning? Like, come on, kids. Come on, family. Let's get out of the house because my friends are at church. The people that I love are at church. Oh, let's get there early. Let's get some of the good seats. And that's not the back row. <laughs> Anywhere else, you want the front seats, right? We want to get close. Yeah, I want to be a part of what's happening. Could you imagine contacting others in the church and saying, save me a seat for church. I'll save you a seat. Isn't that great when somebody says, save me a seat? It starts speaking of community. Isn't it nice to have name tags today? A lot of people hate name tags. So, Hello, my name is... But you know what? They're a great way to cheat. And we give you permission for your eyes to look at the name tag of people that you should know the names of. And I'm guilty of this too. And sometimes, you know, some of you know you've come up and prayed with me. And in the moment, I'm like, tell me your name again. I can't pray with you. I feel bad. Um, but we want to get to know each other. And so could you imagine, what does that kind of love look like that you get together and you're able to say, hey, tell me about this situation in your life because I actually know what's going on in your life. I've been praying for that. Could you imagine after church or during church we're taking communion or we go to pray and you actually join that person or others in the church that are praying and you, and you know, i gotta, I got to pray for them. I know what's going on in their lives. And then after Sunday, we got to kick you out after church on Sunday because you're having conversations and talking. And we're going, it's time to go. we got to lock up the school. And then you say, you know, let's go out to lunch together. And you actually have somebody over your house. Maybe you're hanging out. Maybe during the week you connect together. What does that look like? And, and maybe you're, you're getting together and you're, you're, you're taking uh, God's Word and you're studying together. You're talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ. Or maybe you're just grabbing a coffee. Or you hear about the needs of somebody in the church and you're saying, I can come over and help. I can help watch those kids or clean your house or cut the grass or help you with whatever you need. We can, we can look out for one another. And then you come back together the next week and, and maybe you're serving together on a team. You come to church and say, this is my church. And man, there's a need. You guys have some need for some, some other folks that are going to just take this children's ministry to another level and serve. Man, this is my church. I love this place. I love these kids. You can count on me. What do you need? I'm here to help. Which one of these two scenarios I described would be more of a scenario that really would prove to the world if they could only observe that kind of reaction, what would prove to the world that we are Jesus' disciples? So the love is an important piece because what Jesus is saying here, look, this isn't just some kind of intellectual, spiritual exercise, being a follower of Christ. It's not just a religion. It's not just a duty that we have of attending something, going to something. Being a follower of Christ is a lifestyle. It's a way of living. It's a way of interacting. It's a way of loving. And so this is a commandment. Love one another as I've loved you. And this will prove to the world that you are my disciples. If last week's topic and what describes us as one, we are one, is we are worshipers, this week it's we are family. The church is a family. We are family. Now, I grew up in a smaller church. I don't know if, how many of you guys grew up in a church where people call each other brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so. Have you, anyone, about three, four, five of you? Yeah, it's not really that common anymore, but I grew up in a, a German church, and so we didn't call each other brother and sister. We called them Wuda und Schwester. That's German, brother and sister. It was here in the States. It was a bilingual congregation. But as a, as a kid, when we, we didn't call the, the older folks brother and sister. We called them aunt and uncle, literally. 
this was aunt so-and-so, uncle so-and-so. And as a kid, I was so confused because I really, I didn't know sometimes who my real aunts and uncles were and who were the people in the church. And I mean, wouldn't that be great, though? If the kids in our church were like, hey, you know, there's Aunt Brenda. How are you doing? You know, hey, Aunt Dee. Hi, Uncle JJ. You know, how's it going? Our kids used to call Chris, you know, who used to be here, our worship leader. They called him Uncle Chris. And I think for a while they didn't realize he's not really my brother or Shannon's brother. But see, there's this image of family, and we've lost some of that in the church because it's become this thing that we go to, this thing that we do. We're connected to that church. We have the bumper sticker, maybe. But what does this picture of family really look like? Now, you might wonder, is brother and sister really the best image, siblings, for a church? <laughs> right? I've got kids. Um, I have sisters and brothers. And you kind of go, is that really the best image that God could have used to describe how we are to be as a, as a family and how we are to connect with one another and all the challenges that we have? And you've heard the phrase, though, that, that blood runs thicker than water. Right? It's this idea, in some ways, that man, we're, we're connected as family. We're connected in it by, by blood. But Scripture talks about that, that the Spirit runs thicker than blood. That there's another connection of being spiritually connected. And when we say, always remember, in Christ we are one, what we're saying is there's a spiritual unity. There's a, there's a bond here as a family that we share who are followers of Jesus Christ. Now, not all of us have, have great families. And some of us like see this example and go, man, I don't know if I want to replicate my family, but the church ought to be a place where we can all find family. And how important is that in a place like this in Arizona where many of us have moved from places where we've left family behind and we're maybe the only ones around here or, or maybe have very few family? The church can become that place. It can become that family where we are connected. As a matter of fact, one time Jesus was asked, who is your mother and who are your brothers? Good question, right? Did you know Jesus had a mother? This is an easy one. And her name was? All right, that's as easy as I'll make it for you today, right? Jesus had a mother, Mary. Right? And, and Joseph, and, and he had brothers too. But he didn't answer that way. He didn't say, oh, my mother is Mary and these are my brothers. He said, look, you are my mother. You are my brothers. Jesus was understanding. Look, there's another bond here that we share in a spiritual way in the way that we live with one another, the way that we care for one another, a spiritual bond, a spiritual connection. And so we really are family here. And, and what does that look like in family is we support each other. We care for one another. We help one another. We know each other. We can pray for one another. One of the main objectives here for us as a church is that you would feel like you could say, I belong. That word belong is at the front of, of, of our approach to ministry. Belong, believe, become. How can you come to a point where you say, this is, this is home for me. I belong here. We are family. Now I want you to hear from a few people from our, our church that are involved in that um, we've got Becca Breckenridge is coming up, and, and Beth Dillon, why don't you welcome these ladies uh, to the stage um, as they come up here. You've already heard from Mary Frank earlier doing the announcements. She's involved uh, in many different levels, even with hosting, and it begins when you come in the door that we want to create a family feel, that you are known, and that you are welcome here. And you guys can come, come right up on, on here as well. Becca, she leads our and, and coordinates our 10 with 1 which is sort of our after party every Sunday, if you want to call it that way. Um, And so, Becca, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about why we do that and and why you're passionate about doing that. Well, as you said, my name is Becca, and I am the coordinator of 10 with 1. And it's pretty much just a bunch of people who get together every Sunday and decide we are going to provide snacks for everybody here just because we love to do it. Um, Hold your mic just a little bit closer so we can hear you a little better. (laughs) Absolutely. No, no, not over here. 
<laughs> it's closer, but not to your ear, your it's mouth, fine. your mouth. <laughs> Just an interview with her toe. It's all good. He's trying to kill me up here. Good grief. Okay, so. We're good? You're good. We're good. Okay. I'm going to turn my mic off. <laughs> go further. Go further. <laughs> okay, so I pretty much just make a schedule, and we all just, a bunch of people get together. We provide snacks for everybody, and we love to do it. It's so much fun just getting together and figuring out what we're going to do when we have a big event or something like that. And I am passionate about it because I love to cook and I love to bake, as many of you have tasted. Um, <laughs> I got involved because Mary approached me and asked me if I was interested in serving. And I was like, okay, I'd been here for like maybe a week, if that. And um, I was like, oh, sure, why not? Let's Let's do it. And then Sam, who coordinated it before me, she asked me if I would take over for her and I said, absolutely, this is something that I absolutely love to do. Um, it was just, it was really cool experience because I hadn't been here for very long. And just to be able to come together with everybody and just enjoy 10 minutes with all you wonderful people is just fantastic. Love doing it. I love spending time with everybody. And I love to go out there and just meet all kinds of new people. I'm very social. So, um, <laughs> um, so just being a part of this and being a part of one is something that's so fantastic. It's a community who absolutely loves everybody. And I couldn't be more proud of being a part of this church and knowing most of you, and if I don't know you, my name is Becca, and I'd love to meet you. Um, I love being a part of this church family, and I wouldn't be anywhere else. Thank you, Becca. Give Becca a hand. Part of, um, no, you're okay, I don't, all right, anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, this is a little, I'm having some technical difficulties, 10 with 1 is really important, it's not just a chance for, it's not just, hey, because we just want to serve some food, we really want to create time for you, not just to bug out of here afterward, but to, we bribe your children with sweets to come to the table so that you can stick around. Hey, just call a spade a spade, you know. No, we do, we want to we hang out, we want to connect, we want to talk, and we are so thankful for the people and the families that provide this, this food for us, and we would love for you to be a part of that and really take advantage to say, I'm going to take a step, I'm going to hang out a little bit longer, I'm going to stay, I want to be a part of what's happening here, and then you um, do that. And that's a great first step into community. Beth, tell us about the care team that you lead. Everyone, um, normally I'm not for a lack of words, if you, anyone knows me, but um, when it comes to memorizing things that I have written, I'm not so great at that. So I've prepared a little bit to say, so I, if, you, if you see me reading from it, um, it's because there's some stuff in here I haven't memorized. Um, but anyways, <laughs> I am Beth Dillon, and I am one care team leader, and as Mary did mention, um, the care team does a lot of things. We are there to help as a church community and as the Santan, Florence, Queen Creek community as a whole. So if there is a need that you see um, from somebody in church or from somebody in the community as a whole, um, and it hasn't been brought to my attention, find me, bring it to my attention, and we will get the ball rolling, and we will help with those needs. It doesn't just include people who are 
desperately in need if their house has been on fire or if they've had a loss of job. But we also, as Mary mentioned, we do meals. We help move. We help people with lawn work or what have you. Um, So uh, it was created and implemented by the members of this church for the members of this church. And Hebrews 13.1 says, Keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Um, So I had chose to serve in this capacity because when I joined one community church several years ago, as my son is six now, um, we were falling on some hard times, and my family helped, my friends helped, but my also, this brand new church that I just started going to stepped in and said, you know what, we are new here. And we want to help you. So we're going to help you. We're going to bring you meals. We're going to help you get through it. We'll donate you some clothes. I mean, I had so much love surrounding me that I could not believe what I'd fallen into when I just started attending this church. So I was extremely and eternally grateful for all of those people that helped me. And I need to um, bestow that upon other people. Um, And then when we as a church come together and serve those who are in need during their times of hardship, um, the feeling that I get from watching all of my brothers and sisters in Christ step up to give warms my heart and shows that Christ's love is living through us and within our community. Um, There is the light of hope is great and shines down upon those who help us. And as Debbie Alsdorf states in her book, The Faith Dare, which we just finished for our women's Bible study with the small groups that are coming up, um, she said, we are to keep focused on loving others, giving freely, and doing good. Do not grow weary. And by serving on one's care team, I am less likely to go to grow weary in my, my love and my giving. So thank you all for your wonderful giving hearts. Thank you so much. What I love to hear is not only are they leading a team or trying to make some, a ministry happen, they experience that themselves, like so many of us, and, and now are wanting to share that with the, with the broader part of the, the church body and are coordinating things like that for us to serve one another. And it's so great to see that when, when there's a need, again, somebody coming from the hospital or a baby's being born and, and people stepping up to bring meals, or there's, again, a very tangible need and the word goes out on our Facebook page, hey, we need X, Y, and Z, we need diapers, we need this size clothes, we need a whatever. And people saying, hey, I can take care of that, I can make that happen. And it's really a way that we are caring for one another like a family. And so I just wanted you to meet a few of the folks like Mary and Becca and, and Beth who, who really are helping us be a family to one another through some of the things that we are doing. Now when I think about family, it goes beyond just what we do, again, programming-wise and what we do here on a Sunday morning. Where do most families gather and live? (laughs) In homes. (laughs) There's something about a family that what makes you family is there's a connection often to a home and to being together. And and this model and this image of home is really strong throughout the Bible. And if you think about Jesus, he was often in people's homes. When he called Matthew to be his disciple, that very night, that day, Matthew called a party together of his friends, the other tax collectors, and Jesus and his disciples showed up at his house and they were together and they had a great time at Matthew's home. Jesus spent a lot of time at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, brothers and sisters, together. And he would go there and he would just hang out and would talk and it was a place for him to, to replenish and renew himself. And he understood the value of being in, in the home. And, and even Paul, 
When you think about the New Testament and where the churches were started, Paul would travel and he'd be the guest in the home of different people in the church and Priscilla and Aquila and, and, and Eunice and others that, that we read about that had churches gathering in their home and meeting and that became the starting point for, for believers to gather. And really in the book of Acts, you know where the first church began to gather? It was in homes. In Acts, we start reading about that, that many came to faith, about 3,000 uh, came to faith early on when, when the Spirit of God moved and, and after Jesus' resurrection. And what these people did is they looked at each other and basically said, all right, what do we do now? Well, let, come on over to my house. Let's gather together. And obviously, they didn't have a building large enough where they could all meet. And so they would gather in homes and they would share a meal together. They would talk. They would pray for one another. They would say, let's look at the Scriptures and, and teach me, help me learn what this means to be a follower of Christ. And so it was a very interpersonal, very much connected and related way of, of being the body of Christ. And sometimes I think we get into this mindset again in our culture that I'm part of the church when I attend somewhere on Sunday. This is a great and important part of who we are and what we do. But if this is it, if the only time you ever get together is sitting in rows, you're missing out on what it's like to sit in circles or to gather around a kitchen counter. You know what I'm talking about, right? Where's the party always end up at your house? When you have friends and family over, you gravitate to the food and to the kitchen. Who in the church here has refrigerator rights at your house? Who here in the church knows where you keep your glasses and your mugs? Who knows not to go through a thousand cabinets until they find the trash because they know which one the, tra- the, the trash is under? That should be the question right here. That's what's going to prove whether or not you have relationships here. And we don't find that out when we just come and scatter, come and scatter on Sunday mornings only. How do we get into each other's homes? Because something powerful happens in our, each other's homes. We can relax. It's part of the flow of our life. It's, it's not just a, a program where things are set up, but it's just come into my home, into my living room. Come sit around the kitchen table. Let's talk. And we can find a way to build relationships and, and hear each other's stories in an unhurried, untightly programmed kind of way just to, to get to know one another and to really see what that's like. But it's not just about being social around this. It's really about being one in Christ. Now, when I was in seminary, one of my professors, Dr. Stafford, um, who's no longer with us, he passed away, he was a very intentional man in, he, in, the, in the things that he did. And he taught theology and he taught worship very gracious man, and he would have his different classes come over to him and his wife's house for a dinner. So he wouldn't just say, hey, just stay in the classroom, come over to our house for dinner. And then he'd set this long table so that the whole class could all be, be present there. And then before we began the meal, of course, we, we would pray, but he would say something before the prayer. He'd say, you'll notice here in the middle of the table, there's a candle, and this represents Christ among us. And so we're going to light the candle and just to be reminded that what brings us together here and that Christ is the center of why we gather. And it was just this really like statesman-like kind of thing that he said, but it was like, wow, it's, it's a powerful reminder. It's not just about, hey, let's get some grub and hang out together. Of course, that's fun. Let's do that and talk. But if we remember that the reason we gather is Christ, that's what begins to break down those walls. That's what begins to level the playing field. That's what really begins to unite us as one. You'll see in your worship folder, there's all kinds of, uh, there's an insert there of different groups that we have available here at the church. And the challenge this morning for you is quite simple, is take a step. Would you think about and would you take a step to get into the home, to get into a smaller circle of people in this church that you would know? 
four or five couples, individuals, families that, that would say, you know, we're gonna, we may not be able to get to know everybody, but we're going to spend some time together getting rooted in relationships and getting rooted in God's Word. Now, we've had different groups, and they continue. They usually run. We have a group in the fall and one you know, that runs for a couple months, uh, a season. And then we have groups that run, again, in the, in, in the winter, beginning like in January and going through, through about April or May. And, and so we've got these new groups beginning in September. And we have different kinds of group, but there's a couple of pieces that are similar across all the groups. Roughly, they're going to be about an hour and a half of core kind of gathering time. We know that during your week, you're busy. We all have lots of things going on. You've got to get your work and your sleep schedule and dinner and all that kind of stuff. But the minimum challenge here is, can you carve out an hour and a half of time to intersect with four or five other families or individuals in the church? Say, out of my whole week, I'm going to prioritize this hour and a half. Now, I know this is possible because we have kids involved in all kinds of programs and soccer and sports, and we can find time to say, they have a practice here, and it's going to take an hour, and i got to get them there, and, and we make it happen. This is a priority for you and your family. For you to say, I'm going to find a time and we're going to figure out our schedule so that we can, we can intersect here. And what happens in a, in a typical, typical group or some of the components, I'll tell you about our group, um, is we, we gather. Like, so our group, will, let's say, will start at, starts at 6 o'clock. So you arrive around 6 o'clock and you come in and you hang out for a few minutes and, and uh, maybe have some snacks. And somehow, again, everybody kind of gravitates around the kitchen counter typically or, or in the living room and the couches and the kids are around and running and in most of our groups, we encourage the kids to be a part of it. We don't want to segregate adults and kids and say, this is adults only, and we don't want to have the kids be a part of it. Now, there are some exceptions to certain classes, but in general, this is about being community. I want a church where, where you guys know my kids' names and where I know your kids' names versus just the adults are doing their thing, kids do their thing. So, it's, so in our house, I don't let the kids go upstairs and, and leave and play for the first 15 minutes. I'm like, you're hanging out with the adults. And after about 15 minutes or so, we gather everyone together in the living room, and sometimes that means over 20 people, including the kids. And, uh, and this time is focused on the children. And so we'll go around and we'll start saying, kid after kid, tell us what's going on in your life right now. Because we want the kids to know, you're important, you matter, you're not an afterthought. This is for you. We're here as a community. And so they say, I got an A on my spelling test. <laughs> I've got horseback riding lessons, or I broke my arm, or whatever. You know, they, they share the stories, and it's usually pretty simple, but... The idea that here are 20 people focusing in on one kid lets that kid know they're important and what's happening in their life is valuable and we begin to get to know each other in that way. Now then, at that point, we dismiss the kids and depending on what the makeup is of the group, sometimes you might need to have an adult that supervises them, but we tell them, now, now stay away for like you know half an hour, 45 minutes, um, and you guys play and, and enjoy that relationship and that friendship, and as adults, we're going to start hearing about what's going on in each other's lives. And then at some point, we'll, we'll transition the, the conversation in, in groups that are called Roots Groups. These are groups that will take the Sunday morning message and then basically say, okay, how does this apply in our lives? Maybe look at some of the key scriptures. Um, how are you living that out? What's going on? How can we pray for you? And it's really meant to build relationships and to, and to put, um, give some traction to our faith. To not just keep it up here as learning, but to really say, how are you living this out? What are you dealing with? What are you struggling with? What's going awesome? And we spend that time together. And then when, when it's, uh, you know, an hour and a half is just about up, we call the kids down from upstairs and we say, hey, come gather around. And we form a prayer circle. And we pray together. And you know who is often the first to pray? The kids. The adults are too scared. I don't pray in front of others. I'm not making fun of you. Yeah, I am a little bit. Um, <laughs> 
I know it's intimidating, but the kids will be like, dear God, thank you for, I mean, just pray like a child. That's why Jesus says, have the faith of a little child. And so we have the kids teach you and teach us as adults how to pray. But it's a neat bonding thing. It's not long. It's just a way to lift one another up and to have that community. And then, and then it's time to go home. And now some groups have a little different variation. Some, the door is open. You can come earlier beforehand, but, you know, at some point we'll start the discussion. Uh, in our house, then you're free to stay for another little while until we put our kids to bed, and it's not a hurried thing. Um, but it's about being community. And these groups will get together. Sometimes we just cancel our whole, like, kind of agenda, like the kind of process that we normally have, and just do a big pitch-in meal. Let's just have a big dinner together, all of us together, or let's go and do something. It really is a way that promotes community and promotes relationships. And so you see, we've got different options. We've got a women's group. We've got the Truth Project. Some groups more Bible study focused, others focused on the Sunday morning message, different days of the week, uh, different times. We have a morning group even on a Thursday, a Sunday night group. So think about what really would work for you. And I encourage you to take a step to say, I want to get into a group where I can get deeper in relationships and more connected with other people. Now I want you to meet um, and, and hear a little bit from Natasha. Natasha is our community life director. And Natasha's story is interesting. I remember Natasha, too. Come on up here. Um, when, when she first arrived, and, and like many, as a first-time guest, you just kind of don't know what to expect, and you walk into the church, and, and then she came sneak out and come back, and eventually we got to know Natasha. But uh, I wanted her to share, and she'll share a little bit of her story of, of what it was like to, to be here and to grow in community and relationship and ultimately to become our community life director. So she's a, she's a show-off. So come on up here. <laughs> It's on. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I just want to share with you my story because there was a time when I was scared here. And everyone here is very nice, but I was scared. So uh, I only accepted Christ in March of 2012, so I consider myself kind of a baby Christian. And uh, in July of that year, we moved from Michigan to Arizona and left behind everybody, all of our friends, all of our family, everyone we knew, and came here as complete strangers. And I had never been to a Christian church before and didn't know what to expect, so I was pretty nervous. And I tried a few different places and uh, ended up here in November um, 2012. And I came in that first day and sat, you know, like back there (laughs) where I could hide. And afterwards, I gave Mark my connection card because I do what I'm supposed to, and you're supposed to give the connection card to the pastor. And... (laughs) And I gave him some prayer requests for some work that I was doing at that time, and he was very gracious. And the next Sunday when I came in, he greeted me in the middle aisle and called me by name, and it shocked me. I I, I was stunned. And I realized that from July to November, no one in Arizona had ever called me by name. I didn't know anybody. So that really Don't hold that me. expectation for everybody. I can't yeah. always remember yeah. names. God, God blessed me in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we have name tags today. That's this right. is for me. <laughs> But it really did touch me, and I, and I felt like this was where I needed to be. So I kept coming, but I really would just sneak in right at 10.30 or 10.31 probably. And right out the door, past the 10 with one table, because I don't know anybody. I can't eat snacks with people that I don't know. What will I talk about? I can't do this. 
So I eventually I'm seeing everyone is tearing down, and I feel like I should do something. So I'll stack the Bibles up after church, and then I don't have to talk to anybody. And I can't ask if somebody needs me to do anything, because that would require I would have to talk. So you see where that got me. I'm up here now. <laughs> so just help right away. It'll be good. Um, in January of 2013, then I joined a small group and I got to meet Troy and Crystal and uh, Beth and Mike Dillon. And this group was led by Shane and Sarah. I don't know if they're here. They're back there they're, somewhere. They're okay. <laughs> they're they're going to have a baby. And, <laughs> and uh, I finally started to feel like, oh, I know some people. I can talk maybe at snack for like a few minutes and before I run out. Uh, in late April, though, Mark gave a sermon similar to this one, talking about serving. And I was sitting way back there, way back there. I remember this very well. And he asked a question, if you didn't show up next week, would anybody notice? He probably said it more eloquently than that. That sounds kind of harsh. But that's how I took it. I thought, oh, no, they probably wouldn't because I have not made myself a part of this, and I need to do that, and I really felt convicted in that moment. So I attended Discover One orientation, and I met Mary Frank, and she took me out to lunch, and I enjoyed getting to know her, and then I said, I'll go to the Mother's Day brunch, even though I'm scared to talk to anybody, and everyone was so pleasant there and very kind, and uh, then I started working here, so there you go. Um, <laughs> Um, but last summer was uh, a crazy summer. My daughter got married. I was back in Michigan for that. And then um, the unthinkable happened. My dad got very sick and um, passed away uh, at the end of August. And I was back in Michigan for two months for that, helping my mom. And they had a great ladies' event that I was so looking forward to going to. Uh, well, it was about chocolate. I don't remember the title, but I do remember it was about chocolate. <laughs> And I was sad to miss that. But they all signed a card for me, and they sent this to me in Michigan, and it arrived to me on the very day that my dad passed away. And nothing could have touched me more than that at that moment because, um, you know, I was surrounded then. I'm in Michigan. I'm with my friends and my family. But my Arizona family was thinking about me, too, and that meant a lot. So... Um, <laughs> we moved away from everybody, and, and that was intimidating. But honestly, I can say that we have Arizona friends and family here now. We really do. Right here in Santan Valley, there's people that I know that I can count on. And these opportunities that we're talking about today, these are not programming events. These are life. This helping at the Pancake Jam or ladies' events or Live Love Days or small groups and joining that, that's not something that I schedule into my week. It is my week. It's what I do, and that's where I get to see my friends and my family. So I really encourage you to take that step, to step out, push past your comfort zone, and uh, they won't make you talk in the microphone probably. <laughs> so <laughs> so try it. Just try it and, and really come out of your shell, and you will find that this is family. This is your family here in Arizona. So... Uh, Jesus says in Matthew eighteen twenty, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. And that's what we all are. Thanks, Natasha. What I love about Natasha's story is I think she really speaks into what so many of us 
feel when we come to a new place or we're involved somewhere else. And we all hunger and long for connection and family and community. We all long for that. I don't think there's anybody that just says, I don't care and don't want to know anybody anytime, just me and myself my whole life. We long for that. God wired us for that. But here's the irony is we, we can't sometimes overcome our own fear to take a step towards that. And what's on the other side can be so wonderful, can be so enriching, and can be what God really designed us for. And so the challenge, I think, even as I hear from what Natasha is saying, is would you take one step closer towards community? Instead of taking a step away or just standing still and saying, this is as far as I go, no more, would you say, I'm going to take a step towards community? And, and what would that look like for you? Now, I know some of you are here for the first time today. You're going, whoa, back off, Jack. It's a little bit... I'm not even sure if I like you guys yet. Um, that's fine. That's fine. These are different stages. That was like Natasha saying, I just showed up. I just wanted to see. And we know you're in different places. Some of you have been here a really long time and need to take a deeper step into community. And so we're all in, in, in a place like this. And so what I want to have for you here, there's a couple of things. I really want you to process this right now. Just even taking a minute as you go through these and say, which one of these or something else might I be able to, to do? Maybe it's just a matter of introducing yourself to someone you don't know right after church. You're going to stick around, attend with one, and kind of go, okay, I've seen you around here, and I'm, I'm, I'm going for it. All right, I'm so-and-so, nice to meet you. And then you run out of words and go, I've run out of words. I'll see you next Sunday. That's okay. I mean, you took a step in the right direction. Um, maybe you invite somebody out to lunch or to your home and say, let's, it's time, let's just, let's just get together. Let's connect. Let's go a step further in, in just connecting with each other. Maybe you sign up for the Discover One orientation. We do this not because we just have nothing better to do on a Sunday afternoon. We want you to feel like you understand who this church is, what we're about, what our history is, where we're heading, who some of the people are, because it helps you feel a part of what's happening here to really know this is what it means to be one. And that's coming up in September, so maybe that's a step you take today if you've never been to one of those. Sign up for a small group. We've talked some already about that today. This is a step for you to say, here's my number one choice, here's my number two choice, and let us try to work that out to, to get you guys connected and take that step, that nervous step of going, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head into these groups. You're going to find people there that love you and will care for you. Sign up for the Mexico missions trip. There is nothing that will connect you faster. This, is not, this, this should be number one. There is nothing that will connect you faster and deeper in relationship with people in this church than if you head away for a weekend with them serving in Mexico. You are bonded, you are connected, you get to know each other. Our biggest group to date is going, I know it, it's coming up in October, interest meeting next Sunday, take a step, take a leap of faith, 100 bucks, go to, go to Mexico. Uh, number six, tell a leader today you want to start serving on a team. We need help every Sunday, setting up, tearing down. You know what happens when you set up and tear down? You hiccup. Mary, Maria, that's what you mean. Um, uh, that was good timing. Um, what happens is you talk to one another, you connect, you coil cables, you get to know each other, and it's community and, and relationship begins to happen. Stick around like Natasha did and, and help tear down. Or maybe you want to serve at 10 with one. Maybe you're saying, hey, some new things are happening in children's ministry. I want to help make that happen. And on and on, there's opportunities. I talked to somebody this morning about, hey, I'll, we'll train you on how to run all those crazy hundreds of buttons on that soundboard. Almost all the guys that are running tech did not know how to do it beforehand. Everyone's been, and it's not just been the guys, it's been ladies as well. So um, lots of ways, but you begin to really feel a sense of connection and community when you take a step. So just take a minute. I'm going to ask you just to take a minute, look at this and say, what's a step that I can take? There you go.